Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. And I welcome everyone who's listening live on the Full Press Radio Network, as well as everyone here live at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo. First off, big shout out to Bob Lung for organizing all this. And I'd also like to have a big shout out to my guest today, uh, Shane Manila from the, uh, from the Dynasty Football Factory. Hi, Shane. Hey, Kyle. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. Really awesome. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to see the turnout. It's been really cool meeting everybody that we talk to Twitter on and uh, see that they're real human beings. Yeah, so I'll probably be less of a douchebag to these folks in the future, maybe. Uh, maybe less of those trash dynasty trade offers as you've trademarked. Yes, yes, that is TM. So don't try to steal that. Uh, am I in trouble for stealing it now? Yes, you actually feds are waiting for you. Even if you're on the pod, then it's allowed. Okay. As long as it's a promotion of me, it's fine. Okay, so once you leave, though, I can't say it anymore. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so my name is Kyle Senra. Uh, you can follow me at Yama underscore KS. You can follow Shane at DFF underscore Shane. That's Shane spelled S-H-A-N-E. Uh, we're both pretty active on Twitter regarding fantasy football. Uh, and like I mentioned, this was the, I guess, our first live episode of the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. So it's pretty cool. Uh, just this morning, actually, part of this Midwest Fantasy Expo, we had a live charity draft. So it was three different leagues, three different drafts happening at the same time, 32, or 36 teams, 12 teams per league. And a uh, big shout out to Matt Williams from, from FF Statistics for organizing the whole thing. And I mean, we love giving to charity, right? So uh, I know for me, my, the charity I'm representing is uh, the Canadian Cancer Society. So, you know, if I win, uh, that's where the proceeds go. So I'm suddenly not just playing fantasy for myself, but I'm playing for others. Shane, do you want to talk about your charity? Certainly. Um, so I'm actually representing Gideon's Promise. It is a public defender advocacy organization. Uh, they provide mentorship, training, and um, basically they try to make the public defender's office stronger. Um, as many people know, unfortunately, a lot of folks can't afford expensive legal representation, and they often have to rely on public defenders. Um, and if that's your last line of literal defense, you want to make sure that, that it, you know, and it's the most indigent that need it, you want to make sure that the people defending them are the strongest that they can possibly be so i you know i'd advocate everyone to check that uh charity out just check it out gideon's promise um so hopefully i can win this league and uh we can send them a nice check and uh help the public defender's office just you know in training and whatnot i'm sorry so let's talk a bit about this league though i mean this is a fantasy podcast and yes we do encourage you to donate to charities such as the canadian cancer society gideon's promise I know I've spoken about Fantasy Cares before as well. That's a big proponent. So whatever charity you want, you got to be closer to this mic. Okay. So, um, yeah, so let's talk about this league. So, like as I mentioned, it's uh, 12 teams. And, again, there's three leagues happening. So it was kind of interesting to see three drafts happening all at the same time. Uh, and the way Matt Williams organized it, he made it so that there are no minimum roster requirements. Uh, that's something kind of new that I've come into this year. I know Shane, you and I are in a league with James Katulis, and he—that was his whole promise, premise, prem, it was whole his premise as well. Uh, so it's eight flex spots and two f super flex spots. So it's two quarterbacks max, and the rest is entirely up to you to decide how you want to build your team. 
Uh, so I know for me, I was trying to get as much of a balanced roster as I could and just go with the value. I, I thought that was kind of the best way to approach it and not have one particular strategy. How did you go into this draft, Shane? Um, so it's a little interesting. I was learning the rules on the way over uh, with Outhouse, uh, who was driving over with me. And, you know, I, I started off, it was a pretty standard draft. Um, obviously, knowing that Superflex was a component, I wanted to get a couple strong quarterbacks. Um, and then, say about round five, when I made my turn and said that I'm just going to go all out, and I'm either going to be, you know, first or last in this league. And that, that's pretty much what I'm shooting for. Um, even if I lose, a charity still gets money, so that's still a good thing. And I can always still donate to my charity if I don't happen to win. Um, but yeah, that was just that was what I was going to do with a, a lot of sharps. I just wanted to get a lot of upside. Um, I'm fine taking risk, as you'll see if we uh, if and when we start discussing this roster. Uh, certainly, yeah, go ahead. But you know, so I, again, I started off with Nick Chubb. Um, I don't think that's a strange pick at all. Uh, then I went Carson Wentz, which was, uh, you know, uh, very much a homer pick. In the flex league, it still held weight. Then I went with AB. In the third round, he dropped the value there. I mean, for a guy that could see upwards of 170 targets, I just can't pass on that in the third round. He's got a legitimate shot to be the wide receiver one. Um, I grabbed David Montgomery over Miles Sanders. Uh, Miles Sanders was on the board, and unfortunately I got sniped later by... Scott Connor, who sniped me at every possible turn. Um, me too. Yeah, I really didn't appreciate that. He, he just We were discussing our draft, and I, I feel like he used that against me. But that's okay. That's my fault. Um, then this is where I went completely off the rails. Uh, not off the rails, but I just said, you know, I'm going for upside, and I don't care. So, you know, I went Lamar Jackson, Josh Gordon, Corey Davis, Sammy Watkins. And, and then I stabilized with some safer picks after that. But just that, that little... Three out of four picks, I think, with Lamar Jackson and Josh Gordon and Sammy Watkins is obviously going to make or break this roster. Um, if Josh Gordon can stay on the field, I got a top 12, top 15 wide receiver. If Sammy Watkins can stay on the field, I have, you know, hopefully a top 24 wide receiver. Um, Corey Davis, I just need Marcus Mariota to look like he did last night when he, uh, he was slinging it. He, did, he looked like he could feel his arms. He could feel his fingers. Uh I don't think he has any broken ribs. Uh, it's pretty funny that I was watching the game last night, and I only saw when he was terrible. Um, and immediately after that, he started looking much better. He hit Corey Davis for like a 30-yard pass. So apparently, he just lit it up. You know, he's trying to fight off Ryan Tannehill because that, that's stiff competition right there. That's sarcasm, folks. You can't see that on the radio, but that, that's sarcasm. So I definitely agree with your premise of going for upside. Like again, you said, it's we really want to win in our particular charities. So going for the upside is maybe the, the smart play and less on the safety. Uh, I know for me, I was picking out of the fourth spot. So going in, I knew I was either going to get one of the top three running backs in uh, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara. And uh, they all went. So I went with my uh, my actual pick, which was Patrick Mahomes. because. Of this is super flex. Uh, I just felt that he has the tremendous upside, and I, I wanted to kind of get him right away. I knew that if I didn't take him there, he'd be gone by the time my next pick was around. And uh, I felt, felt if I wasn't going to go one of, with one of those extreme running backs, I wanted a quarterback right away. And if he's the QB1, at least on my draft board, I thought that was kind of a, a, a no-brainer pick at, at, at the position. 
then I came around and somehow Julio Jones fell to me. Uh, I guess just the way the settings were. Because uh, one thing I didn't actually explain is the way the PPR is set. Um, so first off, uh, a half point for first down in this league. And that's something I've done before. I have a bit of experience. I know that tends to favor the run more. Uh, but still, receivers who, especially deep threat receivers, most of their catches are for first down. Uh, the PPR is where things are different. So wide receivers get a half point PPR. Running backs get a and tight ends get a point and a half PPR. I know uh, talking to Matt Williams, he sort of did that as a way to make the wide receiver position a little less potent. I think just as a way to balance out all the, the positions across the board. And when you look at the draft board, I think it, it sort of, I think he accomplished that. I got Zach Ertz in the third round, and I thought with the tight end premium, that, that was pretty great. Uh, Josh Jacobs is actually my RB1. Uh, I waited long enough to where that was kind of my best option in the fourth. I got Robert Woods, uh, Tariq Cohen, and then I eventually took my second quarterback in Dak Prescott, who was a guy I was targeting a couple rounds before, and I, just, I thought, oh, I, I can wait, I can wait, and sure enough, I thought that worked out well. Uh, I got a floor guy in Latavius Murray who could have some upside, but uh, you know, even as a backup running back, we've seen New Orleans Saints RB2 be really good. Uh, one interesting strategy that happened throughout the draft was uh, my man over there, Scott Connor who basically took entirely running backs. He had one quarterback pick of Tom Brady and 15 running backs on his team. So it's a type of crazy roster construction that's totally possible when you don't have minimum requirements at any position. So we'll see how Scott does. I know there's trading in this league. And considering Shane and uh, Russ or Dynasty Outhouse, who are both all about trading, that's what both their podcasts are about. Uh, it'd be a shame if we couldn't trade, really. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, we're able to trade in this league. I ended up with a lot of Colts at the end, too. Uh, three of my last four picks were Naeem Hines, Paris Campbell, and Jack Doyle. So apparently I'm all in on the Colts, which I think is a good offense to be in as long as Andrew Luck is healthy. Scott's draft, um, it was quickly apparent that he was just going to hammer the running back position, even if you weren't aware that he was going to hammer it to the extent that he did. Um, and then he actually handcuffed every starting running back with their backup, just about. Um, and I, I, look, I love it. Yeah, this this no real. You don't need a wide receiver. You don't need a tight end. You don't need a quarterback. It's interesting. I won't want to do this for dynasty purposes, and I I won't want to do it in too many redraft leagues. But one or two leagues like this, it, it is kind of fun, and it is one of those things where it lets you find value and the team just like you would never do it in any other situation which I know a lot of people or sometimes people might not think that that even helps them in regular leagues but I found that sometimes the crazier a league is it actually does help me with other leagues sometimes it's weird it's kind of like exercising your brain um, you know I, I went safe towards the end of the draft and just drafted guys I really liked um, Deion Lewis is a guy that I think is going to do have a really good season Season. He had, you know, 50-something receptions last year. I don't have the stats in front of me. And his points per game, even when Derrick Henry was tearing it up towards the end of the season, was pretty much within a point of the game, uh, points per game within a point in the earlier in the season when Derrick Henry was dead. Um, and I think there's a, you know, a non-zero chance that Derrick Henry is going to be the Derrick Henry that we usually remember where he doesn't do anything for most of the season. So I'm big on Lewis. Uh, I got my boy Noah Fant 
Um, so if anyone's ever listened to me or read anything I've written um, in a Dynasty Trades HQ, if you've ever listened to my podcast plug. Um, but yeah, Noah Fant, I, I am huge on Noah Fant. I think he is easily the, the tight end one of this class. I know a lot of people like TJ Hawkinson because he's a more complete, you know, player. I don't get blocking points in any of my leagues. I don't know if you do. Do you get blocking points? I've literally never heard of a league that does. But maybe that's the next innovation. I have to be honest. That sounds awful. Um, I'd rather play in a league with... Um, and I know that the story is that TJ Hawkinson will be able to stay on the... Except that when you draft a Noah Fant, you know that that's not his specialty. Uh, his specialty is receiving. So I think they're going to hit him a lot. Got Albert Wilson, assuming that his hip ever heals. Um, that's a guy that I think is in contention for 80 to 90 receptions on a points per opportunity basis last year. He was a stud to start the season. Um, it's just unfortunately he didn't. He was in a low volume offense, the offense with the fewest plays in the league, and then he was injured. But Adam Gase isn't there. They can't run a slower offense unless they run a four quarters defense on the or four corners offense. Um, somehow find a way to work that into football. Um, got my boy DJ Chark because I'm just taking the draft pedigree and the athleticism and the, the you know the metrics basically out of that receiving cast because Day Day's already gone. That that that'd be my first choice. And then I went with the finished out my draft with Dwayne Haskins because I figure a third quarterback in a super flex league is not a bad idea. At some point, Dwayne Haskins is going to be playing this season. Hopefully, if I need to start him, it's when I'm in the playoffs, just when he's hitting his stride in his rookie season. Um, I don't even know if there are playoffs in this league. I probably should have looked at that. I'm going to assume that there are. I am terrible at reading rules. Um, I apologize up front. But again, it's for charity. So even if I lose, it's okay. Money goes to charity. Now, if it was a money league, I might have read some of the some of the more rules. Probably not, though, as John Bosch can attest. Uh, for my third quarterback, I mentioned I went Mahomes in the first and Dak in the seventh. I took Ryan Fitzpatrick in the 12th round. At that point, I thought there wasn't really any other starting quarterbacks. I think maybe Joe Flacco. Uh, I considered that, but I thought with, with Fitzpatrick, he's got that deep ball upside. And I mean, it is a league that punishes for interceptions, so maybe that's not the greatest decision, but uh, I'm pretty sure Josh Rosen didn't get drafted, so I may pick him up at some point. Hopefully no one's listening to this. Oh, wait, Shane's listening to this. Um, <laughs> uh, I always think in, in any league, though, running back depth is super important. I know I won some leagues last year when I had guys like Elijah McGuire, and, and Damian Williams is a, kind of a, a guy that won a lot of people leagues, but Elijah McGuire is someone that he went off in Week 16, and the last three, four weeks of the season after Belial Powell got hurt, he was, you know, he was a, got a, kind of, he had a workhorse role there so having guys like that I remember I picked him up pretty early in the, in the offseason uh, after the initial auction draft because it is a contract league but I kind of kept him all year just because again running back depth is important so I ended up with CJ Anderson late 14th round I thought maybe if something ever happens to carry on Anderson's a guy that can kind of step in and, and handle a big workload uh, we've seen that kind of throughout his career maybe not over a full season but if you need him for a few weeks he can win people fantasy leagues, and he did it in Denver. He did it last year with the Rams. So um, the Lions will probably run a lot with Daryl Bevel as the OC. So I'm, I'm kind of liking Anderson. 
I took Geronimo Allison again. Packers bias. Uh, I had to get a Packers player in here somewhere, and I, I do like his upside. Especially in ninth round, I took him, and I thought that was a pretty good value on him. Uh, so yeah, so in uh, keeping with this tradition of the uh, no minimum starting requirements, trade alert. I'm, I don't know if that's trademark too, but again, Shane's on the show, so I think I can stream. Well, actually, this is uh, funny. This is a, a trade that was made uh, quite a while ago uh, between you and I, actually, Shane. Uh, and I know how many trades you make, so I'm thinking maybe you might have forgotten the exact details. And I know on, on your show, the Dynasty Trades HQ, you guys are constantly evaluating trades. So I figured maybe we evaluate this trade in kind of retrospect. So it's, uh, again, it's a, a, a league where you don't have any minimum requirement starters. Uh, it's similar to this charity league, though, where it is a super flex, so two of the spots can, can be designated a quarterback. Uh, it's a tight end premium. And uh, uh, my favorite caveat, though, is that it's a salary cap and contract league. Uh, the way this salary league works, though, it's a little different than anything I've ever done, where in year one, you don't put uh, terms on it. You just, it's all, everyone's on a one-year contract, and you, it's basically like kind of a, a normal auction draft. And then at the end of the off, so ne next off season, we'll then decide who do we extend for one year or two years and how their prices will increase like that. So anyway, so the trade is on one side, we have Austin Hooper and I believe it was a $3 contract and a 2023rd. On the other side, we have Rashad Penny and an $11 contract and a 2022nd. So again, Hooper, a little bit cheaper and a third versus Penny, a little bit ex more expensive and a second. So Shane, what do you think about that trade? Damn it. Um, because of the contract aspect, I have a feeling that that's largely what drove this trade, but I'd much rather the Penny side, even though I'm pretty sure that's the side I traded away. I'm gonna assume that I did so for reasons. I'll say there were reasons. I was probably up against the cap and wanted to make some other moves. Um, yeah, so you, yeah, you won that, that trade. Um, that league is interesting, though, because at one point or another, um, Alshon Jeffrey had been on the waiver wire. Um, I believe Aaron Rodgers. Just because contracts, we, like, we really, a lot of people were really up against the salary cap without the ability to actually submit a starting roster. <laughs> um, and I know that's where I was at, because I, I really went in on a couple players way too high. Um, I overspent on Baker Mayfield. In retrospect, I think I spent like $50 on him, which really hurt. Uh, it's hard. I mean, salary caps are a whole other animal. If you don't play in them, you should, because, again, that's another way to learn how to value players. Um, you get up against that salary cap, and you literally can't make a move to, to help your team. You, you'll, you'll trade away a player you like just to lose some salary. So you won that. You're in a position to, to take that on and – uh Congrats to you. Um, sucks to be me. Um, but I should have drafted better, and I wouldn't have been in that position where I was uh, shedding salary. And I liked Rashad Penny. I think he he should have a at least flex value this year. Um, and if anything were to happen to Chris Carson, like a kidnapping, um, he gets lost on the way to the field, or even an injury, which is more likely to happen in football, um, that Rashad Penny could step in there and – I mean, he has at least top 20 potential, I think. I think he showed that last year. He wasn't bad. It's just that Chris Carson was excellent. Um, it's hard to supplant a starter when he's just really good. And, you know, they're talking about giving Chris Carson more targets this year, which are available because, you know, Mike Davis isn't there. But 
it's it's going to be really hard for Rashad Penny to supplant him without injury. And uh, I have a lot of Rashad Penny, so I probably shouldn't root for injury. Um, but if Chris Carson actually were to get Wally pipped, I'd be okay with it. I'll say that. So hopefully he does get lost on the way to the stadium one day and ends up in, like, Washington, D.C. You know what I mean? Like, Google Maps is telling him, like, oh, no, no, it's in wherever Washington, wherever their stadium is, and he thinks he's going there, but instead just drives to Washington, D.C. on the East Coast, and it's just AWOL for, like, three weeks, and then Rashad Penny takes over because I I don't want to root for injury. But you won that trade. And I think uh, you made a good point with the shedding salary because I think that's exactly what it was. Um, to be honest, I didn't draft that well either. I, I mean, I think the team, the league requirement, uh, max roster size is 24. Uh, at the end of the draft, I think I had 19, right? So even I was up against it. Uh, sort of my bad drafting kind of almost paid off because it was so bad. I ended up spending like $8 on Doug Baldwin. And then when the news that he uh, retired, I could just easily cut him. And, and I lo- what I like about this league is that there were no cap penalties, uh, just kind of the way it's set up, because there are some leagues that I do where if you cut a player, you you take you still have to take on half his salary or whatever. So this one was nice, because I could just free up those $8 entirely, and then that gave me the flexibility to make this trade with Shane. I actually also had Chris Carson in this league, so it also gives me sort of that handcuff ability, but uh, there might be weeks where they're both viable. We saw Seattle run the ball so much last year that uh, really they could both end up being viable parts. I also think you touched on a really interesting aspect um, of what a, what I think is one of the major reasons why I love salary and contract leagues. And I think you'd probably do too, knowing you, Shane, how much you love the tr- trade. So in redraft leagues, and I know, you, again, you're the Dynasty Trades HQ, so I'm assuming part of it is that you just don't really make that many trades in redraft, right? You can try, um, and I, I often do. You know, I'm the guy that's going to send you a million and a half offers um, just to see if you're you're my sucker, um, for lack of a better term. Um, if anyone's seen the Waterboy, uh, when he was getting getting advice from one of the other players that you look for a specific player, and that's your that's what I'm looking for in redraft leagues. Um, I'll send a lot of those two for one offers, but yeah, the, the trading's just not there because there's not the long term impact. There's not all right. Well, let me take these young players because they're going to be good next year. And uh, real quick, just looking at the musical mismatch league, uh, I went entirely too heavy on several players. Um, I don't even remember what the, the budget is on this. $300 million, $300. And I have, I'd say, at least $200 million tied up between about six players. Yeah, Amari Cooper, 40 bucks, way too much. Lev Bell, 51 Joe Mixon. Just, just ridiculous things. Baker Mayfield, for reasons not entirely clear, I spent $71 on him. Um, but the good thing about this league is the waiver wire is pretty robust. Um, and I don't want to tell you who I have, but I have several starter caliber players that I'm waiting for the waivers to go through. <laughs> yeah. um, eventually, they'll go through. If James is listening, please process those waivers at some point, my friend. Um, but, yeah, no, um, redraft is cool. You know, I really got back into redraft this year working on the redraft guide. Um, available for sale on the Dynasty Football Factory website, just $10, and it's awesome. Um, so I really got back into redraft. And again, that's another thing. It really helped me focus on what, on things in Dynasty, too. Realizing, like, it, it's easy to look at Dynasty rosters and all, all forget, oh, I need to we- win every week. I need to win actual weeks. 
Um, you look at a dynasty roster sometimes and you're just like, this is the best roster. I'm the greatest. This team is awesome. Whereas in redraft, you don't really give a shit what your a heck, excuse me, I'm sorry, a heck, what your roster looks like. As long as you get the wins, that's all that matters. It's a zero-sum game. Am I going to win this week? And yeah, I mean, there's not enough trades, unfortunately, but it, you know, the format lends itself to less trading. But if anyone's listening to this and they don't play in Dynasty Leagues, I'd say check them out. I mean, it's a great time. I love them. I, I started playing, I, I want to say, about five years ago now, and I was immediately hooked. Joined one league. Um, it was actually Ryan McDowell's Hyperactive Leagues. It was my first Dynasty League. Got one of those. And then I was, I just joined um, that first offseason. I joined about 10 leagues. Um, the following season, it was up to about 20. Then it was, you know, above 40. And then, you know, I tried to cut back last offseason, and I did. And then I did try to cut back again this offseason. And I'm proud to say I'm down to 50 leagues. That's it. We just, we just can't stop joining leagues, starting joining startups. Uh, but, yeah, I think you, you nailed it. In redraft, you're trading for one thing only, production. And I have a couple of articles on full press coverage that kind of outline the you know, the reasons you should play in uh, salary cap contract league specifically, but also Dynasty, because Dynasty, you can always trade for future uh, draft picks for in the rookie drafts, uh, young players versus old players. There's, so there's a lot more dynamics that make people want to trade. But to me, with salary cap and contract, there's one extra element, and it's cap space. Suddenly, cap space is a commodity that can be traded for. And to me, I know that some of the, uh, the leagues that I'm in that are most active with the trade market are salary cap and contract leagues because of that. Because people are moving around things. I mean, this trade with Shane is a perfect example of that. Probably wouldn't have made that trade if he didn't need the, the cap space. Uh, so I was able to kind of use that to my advantage and leverage what, I mean, he admitted was he thought it was a pretty good trade for, for me to receive. Although, again, tight end premium, I do think Hooper does have value. So I don't think I totally massacred you in this trade. No, you did. You did. You definitely did. I mean, I gave up the higher draft pick and all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like you're saying, the salary cap leaks, that's what happens. You end up just, just to move salary for a player that might be productive, but they're just not productive at that cost. You need to move them because you need the flexibility. And in a league like this where there's no cap penalties, things like that, like, you don't have to worry about it. That's even better for the first year. Hopefully, I assume there'll be cap penalties and things next year, which will be no. Um, uh, maybe someday. So the cap penalties, the way they work, they only you only get cap penalties on future contracts. So, oh, so with this league, everyone's on a one-year contract, and at the end of the, uh, the like I guess at the end of the season next spring, sometime that date hasn't been fully determined. There's a deadline, and by that deadline, we have to designate who's going to be on. Uh, either a one-year extension or a two-year extension. If you extend a player for one year, they get a $10 bo boost on their current cap hit. If you extend them for two years, it's only, it's a $16 boost, but it'll remain that way for, the, for those two years. So I'll give an example. A player that I'm kind of looking at possibly extending because it's super flex is Dak Prescott. So Shane mentioned Baker Mayfield went for $71. Uh, Mahomes went for $90. Uh, Rodgers was up there in the $70 mark as well. And there were quite a few quarterbacks that were 50-plus. Uh, I got Dak Prescott for $19. And I feel pretty good about that, to the point where if I extend him for two years, I'll only still have a $36 cap hit each of the next two seasons on him, which I think is pretty reasonable. Now, if I ever decide to cut him, um, 
So, okay, so if, let's say I extend him for a 2020 season and I cut him during the 2020 season. There won't be a penalty for that year, but because it would have been a two-year extension, there'd be a penalty in 2021, and I think it's half of the hit. So if I decide to cut Dak Prescott next season after extending him, I'll have, uh, I guess it'll be $18 of dead cap on my 2021 uh, salary cap space. So I kind of like how it's worked. It's, it's a pretty forgivable league. Uh, certainly a lot more forgivable than those that I've played before. So yeah, so that's, uh, those are the rules, Shane. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. So, yeah, what you find in salary cap leagues is you definitely move salary for lesser value than you would think. And you say it all the time, and it's funny because in certain dynasty leagues, when you see a trade go through, you're like, what, what just happened? Like, what was that person thinking? And in a salary cap league, you know immediately what that person was thinking. Um, in another salary cap league I was in, or that I am in, I just took on, I had a lot of cap space. So I just kept taking on bad salaries for fourth round picks. Like they would send me the player and I would take a fourth round draft pick or a third round draft pick. Like Kareem Hunt was on salary for $50 million. Well, I was under the cap by $100 million. Yeah, send them over to me. I can absorb it and I'll take a rookie pick with it. Uh, you know, using the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns trust, uh, test it. Brock Osweiler trade. And I liked it. I thought it was a good trade for me. But it's just, it's a whole other level. It's just more flexibility, more more ways to construct the roster, more ways to move things around. And anything that facilitates trading, I think, is awesome. Um, because the best dynasty leagues that I'm in are the active ones with the trading. If it's not active, then it's just not fun. So while I have you here, Shane, and talking about trades, uh, I'd actually like to point out one of our full press coverage writers, Gavin Frick. He recently just uh, wrote a, a fantasy article about uh, the five worst trades that he's seen so far this year. And this could be either trades that he's uh, saw in his leagues or uh, his followers on Twitter mentioned and just things that he saw on Twitter. So uh, why don't we uh, go through this list and maybe get your reactions to each of these trades. So at number five, uh, now I think most of these are redraft, uh, but I think redraft or dynasty, I think all of these are going to be bad no matter what. So one is... Julio Jones and Alvin Kamara for Michael Thomas. Oh, oh that's that's awful. That's um, I wouldn't say trash dynasty trade offer, even trash redraft offer, but that's absolutely terrible. Why why would you do that? Why? Just why? Like you're giving up like Julio Jones and I. You could argue Julio Jones in a redraft league is more valuable than Michael Thomas, and then to also throw in. Anytime you use the term throw in. And then Alvin Kamara, you've made an awful, awful trade. And you probably, sh I'm not for vetoing, but you should probably speak to your loved ones before you send offers out. Um, so if you made that trade, please call me on my cell phone and we need to talk. Um, I don't know if you were despondent that day, if you were feeling down about life, but uh, yeah, it gets better. Just never do that. So it says here, uh, what Gavin wrote, is that uh, this happened an hour after the draft. So I, I guess, I mean, the, the, I, I, what I'm assuming is that Michael Thomas went earlier than Alvin Kamara, and the guy who got Kamara and Julio really wanted Thomas so bad that they gave up their first and second, assuming that would be their first and second picks to get the guy that they wanted over, first overall, probably. But even so, I mean, you could have gotten a, a lot more back. I mean, if you're going to give up... Alvin and Julio, you got to get something more than Thomas. Whatever the guy's third round pick was, even, or because I, I, you know, assuming it would have been an early third, 
at least to get something to kind of even it. But yeah, this is a pretty bad trade. Uh, and again, this is number five, so it just gets worse after this. I can't even imagine it getting worse. Well, yeah, um, and again, subjective list. So number four is Ezekiel Elliott for Jarvis Landry. That is all. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know why you do that. What, uh, what, well, let me ask this. Is it a three-point PPR for Jarvis Landry only? It doesn't think, I don't, I don't think so. It doesn't look like that. Okay. Was it, was Elliot, hmm, so, when was this trade? That doesn't matter. Never mind. Was Zeke in high school? Well, I assume this happened after the holdout news. So must, this must have happened pretty recently. Oh, no, that's still terrible. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so you trade it for someone that has a high wide receiver two upside, right? That That's, yeah. we're imagining the best he can do unless Odell Beckham Jr. actually tore his groin off is Jarvis Landry finishing as a wide receiver two for Ezekiel. And I hate Zeke, like, with a passion. Like, there's nothing good about him. He looks like a human... Uh, what are those characters for Ewok? He looks like an Ewok. I hate the gif of him, Jeff. Gif. I hate the gif of him eating the cereal. I think it's stupid. Um, yeah, he's just a, he's a giant bag of just doucheness. But I won't make that trade in a million lifetimes. No, no. But I mean, the guy that got him, that that is awesome. Kudos to you. We can be friends. But get into a league with better players, maybe. Yeah. So personally, I actually pronounced it Jaif, just to piss everyone off, because everyone, everyone's got GIF, Jif, and I just go with a different one completely. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Um, it's, it, it sucks that you kind of hate Zeke because he's an Ewok, though, because I like Ewoks. They're pretty awesome. But yeah, he gives Ewoks a bad name if he is, in fact, an Ewok. Uh, so... Number three on this list, again, Alvin Kamara is going to be actually quite present throughout this. For some reason, people just love making bad trades uh, involving Alvin Kamara. So this one is Alvin Kamara on one side, and on the other side, you get James White, Jared Cook, and Nikhil Harry. Thoughts, Shane? Well, you know what's interesting about this is he notes it's a 16-team league as if that's a bad thing, but that actually makes the trade better. Um, I don't know if anyone is in how many people are in 16-team leagues. It is it is actually difficult to find starter caliber players. There's uh, a few teams in the 16-team league I'm in where they're starting like wide receiver fives, not wide receiver fives in fantasy football. Wide receiver fives on a roster um, because they're that deep. But that doesn't make this a good trade. It just makes it a less bad trade. Um, if it's tight end premium, I, I, I can almost see him talking himself into making this trade, but it's not a good talk, and it's not a talk that anyone should ever have with themselves. Alvin Kamara has the running back one upside. That, that's, it's just that. So at a minimum, even in you know, Dynasty, a, 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 excuse me, a running back of his type, the, the, the receiver, where he's so strong as a receiver— um, that he's not going to just rely on his rushing opportunities and his rushing yards and the totals from there. You should be getting nothing less than the equivalent of three first-round rookie picks at a minimum. James White, Jarrett Cook, and Nikhil Harry aren't that, even in a 16-team. I can see Nikhil Harry, that's a good start, 
Um, but he doesn't have the rest of the sandwich. So it's like he has one slice of bread, no meat, and also no other slice of bread. So he literally just has a slice of bread. Uh, I feel like this trade would be a little better if it was Dynasty and then get, it could give Harry some long-term value, but it sounds like this is redraft. Uh, yeah, I, I, this may be the best trade on the list in terms because the other two before were just absolutely horrible. So I can, again, kind of see it. Apparently, uh, Garrett, uh, sorry, Gavin kind of added some uh, details about the league. I guess it was this is a league he was in, actually. So he, had to, he witnessed this firsthand. I don't think he's involved in this trade. Uh, he said that... Uh, you know, you, get, you traded a guy that you took fourth overall for three players that were all drafted after the fifth round. So these are sixth round or later picks. So, yeah, you probably could have got more. Definitely could have got more for Kamara. Just real quick, uh, just one note. I like how you described that he saw this trade firsthand as if describing a car accident or a slaughter because, yes, that's what it was. All right, so now we'll get to one. Actually, as much as this article was about this year, it's actually a, a recap to a, a trade that happened last year. In a, It looks like it's in a dynasty league. So someone traded Patrick Mahomes and Sony Michelle for Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, this happened before Jimmy Garoppolo had his injury and before we knew who Patrick Mahomes was. But uh, thoughts? Yeah, see, I, I cannot... I don't like Jimmy Garoppolo even a little bit. Last year, you know, it was full-on Jimmy Garoppolo hype season. Um, and Patrick Mahomes, it started one game. Now, I had Patrick Mahomes in my top 10, but I'm not normal. So, like, I do things like that. Like, Baker Mayfield's my QB1 in Dynasty. Um, and I don't do it for hot takes. It's just I'm looking forward out. You know what I mean? But I can see making this trade last year. It just, looking back on it, yes, you gave up the QB1 um, and also a running back that would have helped you in the playoffs. So that's unfortunate. And, um, but you know, you can look back on a bunch of trades that you made at the beginning of the season, uh, or a year back, and they're going to look like this at the time. They sound reasoning. That's going to happen. As long as you have sound reasoning and a sound process, I, that's fine. You lost the trade, but anyone can look back and see a trade they lost. I also wonder if this was maybe after, uh, Sony Michelle kind of missed some of training camp with the, with knee concerns. Maybe they got scared and just wanted to get out of out of him before it was too late. But it's definitely nothing compared to this number one on this list. So the worst trade this year that at least Gavin has seen: Cam Newton, Todd Gurley, and Alvin Kamara for Tom Brady. Uh, and this doesn't make any sense to me. I can't understand how this would work. So uh, I'm very interested to see what Shane's going to say about this. Uh, so this is the type of offer you're receiving, and you're like, oh, that's a that's a hashtag trash dynasty trade offer, um, or if this is redraft, uh, just a terrible offer. Um, if you're making trades like this, you probably shouldn't play fantasy football. And I don't mean that to be snide. I mean you're a homer, beyond belief. Like I I will admit that if two players are close and one of them happens to be on the Eagles, that I'm probably going to side that way. But they need to be literally 50-50 in my mind. Um, there's no excuse for this trade because um, Tom Brady is in... I'd take Cam Newton all day over Tom Brady in any format. Even if I took away rushing yards, I'm actually still going to take Cam Newton. Now, I don't even know if that's right. But to add Todd Gurley and Alvin Kamara to that, you should be embarrassed. Vito should never... Vetoing should never be allowed in a league, but you shouldn't be allowed in that league. I would immediately remove you 
and that league would funder, fall under the uh, purview of the commissioner for the rest of the league, uh, for the rest of the year. That's a terrible trade. You're a terrible person for making that trade. Um, I don't care if you're Mother Teresa. If you make that trade, you're going to hell. So, yeah, so thanks uh, to Gavin, who's uh, on Twitter at the TheSpurFrick, uh, for writing this article and uh, sharing with us these awful trades. It makes us feel better. It probably makes Shane feel a lot better about that Austin Hooper trade. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, uh, Shane, thank you for coming on. Would you like to, I know you've plugged throughout the show, but would you like to plug yourself one last time? Well, you know, I'm very shy. It's very hard for me to plug things. No, but first, thanks for having me on, man. This is really cool. I didn't realize we were going to be on a stage with people kind of looking at us as they walk by. Like, what are those guys doing? Um, and just the millions and millions of fans in the seats. Um, the adulation is just incredible. But no, thank you for having me on. It's really cool to meet you. It was really cool to meet everyone here. But yeah, you can find me at uh, DFF underscore Shane. I write for Dynasty Football Factory, sometimes Fantasy Pros. Check out Dynasty Trades HQ. Um, I'm selling a redraft guide. And, uh, you know, just check my handle out. You'll find me pimping out many, many things. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, Shane. Uh, like I mentioned, I've played in leagues with you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just great to finally meet you in person and great to meet everyone here in person. Uh, so, again, once again, I'd like to thank Bob Lung for organizing this Midwest Fantasy Football Expo. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast uh, at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. And, uh, oh, wait, look, Stompy's here. Hello, everybody. The champ's here. Champ's here. <laughs> How's it going, Kyle? You having fun up here? Oh, having a blast. I love I love recording podcasts. I love talking, especially about fantasy football. So it, the fact that people are actually listening to this live on the radio and live in this room, it, it's great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's been cool to meet everybody from the community um, in person. Now I actually have friends in real life, so that's fun. And then I, I, I guess I, I got to contribute more to my degeneracy by drafting three different teams this weekend so uh so for those who don't remember or haven't been listening uh stam stompy lane here he was on a, he was a guest on this uh podcast a few episodes ago and we talked about uh, superflex formats i know he's part of the superflex super show and that was kind of the idea there uh because we love as much i love contract leagues i love superflex leagues i love all sorts of weird strange things anything you want to say Add. uh so yeah so as i mentioned Follow the podcast uh, at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. Follow our website, Full Press Coverage, at FP Coverage. Uh, you can follow myself, Kyle Senra, at, at Yama underscore KS. That's N-Y-A-M-A underscore KS. So thank you, everyone, for listening. This was the Full Press Fantasy Podcast.